0: Of the excuse me podcast we are in a new week with a new guest and i'm so excited to share him with all of you um, i hope that everyone's having a great week we are on season four and i can't do this without all of your support so thank you so much for just being consistent and loving me and downloading and spreading the word about my show guys this week's guest is into all kinds of projects. And when I see him at work, running around, I'm always questioning in my mind, how does he do it? And we're going to find out today how he manages his time. He is a pro wrestler, a guest host at QVC, a content creator. Um, He's a Spanish commentator at AEW. And he is the hype man for the most popular tag team at aew the lucha brothers and he also manages the death triangle i'm telling you it's crazy how busy he is please welcome my colleague and good friend mr alex abrahantes
1: Oh, thank you, Vicky, so much for that. I really appreciate it. And I just mentioned a moment uh, ago, I just want to thank you so much for having me. I'm really just honored that uh, you would think of me to to have me on here. So I'm really excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, you know, it it seems like, you know, just because someone's not a superstar or per se a wrestler on AEW, you kind of get looked, you know, past. But I have my eyes on you because we have Quite a few things in common. I mean, we're both managers. And looking at you, Alex, and all your accolades, you're pretty busy and you're impressive to me and everything that you're doing these days. And I want to share you with my audience. And um, I'm just uh I'm thrilled to have you because I know you're busy and I'm glad it's this all worked out this morning.
1: Thank you. Yeah, listen, I, I'm so grateful. I really, really am. You know, there's so many things in life that um, you can do and so many things in life that you can focus on. And my life's mission has always kind of been, you know, why can't I do that? And if I can do this and live my dream, then everyone else can do that as well. So I, I remember as a little kid saying, you know, I'm going to make a big someday so I can hopefully help inspire other people and show them that, Hey, you can be an average guy, just like me, just from nowhere, from no one, just an average Joe and make and do whatever you want with life. So that's kind of what, uh, what I strive to do with, uh, you know, with my life's purpose, if you will.
0: I love this. So I'm just going to fill my audience in and everything that you do. And then we're going to go back and talk about each project that you're involved with. Um, you are a pro wrestler from 1996 to 2000. Uh, you're a guest host at QBC, Uh, you're a content creator. You're the host of elite soup, which I love this one. Um, you're also a host of the pre-show AEW dynamite and you are signed sign on AEW, AEW for a Spanish commentator, as well as you're the hype man for the Lucha Brothers. That's
1: a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. You know, I um, uh, I don't know. I'm always so used to just being busy and having so many things going on that I guess I just never think about it. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess I wear a lot of hats. But you know what? I'm grateful to the more that you can do to make yourself valuable in life, you know, the better. And I learned a long time ago that you don't always just want to have one thing. You want to have multiple things because at any time the universe could say, Hey, you know what? It's time for this door to close. And you're like, all right, well, I'll focus on all this other stuff. So that's kind of how I always look at things.
0: And, and we learned that through COVID, you know, how the rest mm-hmm. of shut down yeah. and we were thankful to be able to work, you know, at Jacksonville, you know, and to do taped, you know, shows. But this is so true because I try and tell the younger generation that you've got to have a plan B, C, and D because yeah. wrestling, especially after COVID is never guaranteed on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, You know, if one good thing came out of COVID was the realization, I think, for so many of us that, hey, we have to have more than just one thing and we have to find ways to be resourceful. And I think it really pushed us in a way where we had to rely so much more on technology and through that, I think so many new opportunities maybe that we didn't think of before have kind of uh, emerged. So, you know, we do have to be grateful for the for the lessons that we just learned and really need to utilize that in the way that we move forward in life.
0: Absolutely. You know, so I knew you were a wrestler, but I didn't know that you had trained at the Heart Dungeon. Like, that's pretty, <laughs> that's incredible because, you know, I are just Natalia Heart and all of the heart, mm-hmm.
1: hard-
0: they're they're scary. I mean, I don't know what the <laughs> training was at the dungeon. What made you go there out of all the training facilities?
1: So here's the funny story. I remembered this so vividly. I was in, uh, let's see, I think it was like sixth or seventh grade. Uh, and I remember looking at a map and I learned geography from watching pro wrestling. You know, I would hear, oh, this person's from Liverpool. You know, okay, great. You know, I know where that is now. I learned, oh, the Fiji Islands, Jimmy Snuka, you know, over here. So I would learn geography from pro wrestling. And Calgary, Alberta, Canada always stuck in my head. And I was a big fan of Bret the Hitman, Hart growing up. And I remember looking at this map that we had on our, um, it might have been social studies class. And just staring at Calgary. And I said to myself, one day, I'm going to go there. One day, I'm going to go to Calgary. And I'm going to train with the Hearts. And I remember there was a Pro Wrestling, I think, Illustrated magazine. And on the back, there was an advertisement for the Hart Brothers Wrestling School. And I wrote a letter in my horrendously bad handwriting. (laughs) And I had no (laughs) business. I think I was probably like 15 or 16 at the time. And I sent the letter. And I never heard anything back. But I just thought to myself, wow, like, that would be the ultimate to be able to go. Because back then, there wasn't really a lot of wrestling school options anyway. But I knew, everybody knew the dungeon. And I said to myself, how amazing would that be? And listen, this is how the universe works. You just say, that's what I'm going to do one way. Somehow, I'm going to get there. And then everything just kind of lined up. And that's where I ended up going. And what an amazing experience. And I love the hearts. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity.
0: So you graduated from the dungeon.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I remember my graduation show or match was against Bertha Faye. Do you remember Bertha Faye from the WWE? Oh she was. God. uh yeah, former WWF women's champion. She used to wear polka dots and skip to the ring with Harpy, Harvey Wimpleman. And she had one of the greatest entrance songs ever. And here I am in a tag team match against Bertha Payne. I'm like, this is awesome. This is insane. How can this be happening? This is so cool. So, yeah, that was my big kind of graduation, if you will, from, uh, from the Hart brothers.
0: Oh, my gosh. And so what led to that? I mean, because how long did you wrestle until you kind of transitioned into, you know, being more of a television personality?
1: Well, when I came back from uh, Calgary, I realized, okay, you know, I really need to start working the Indies here, and and I basically kind of worked them in the Northeast, and I had my own pro wrestling company for a while, and um, I was just looking for opportunities. But I knew ultimately my goal as a kid was, oh, I got to go to the WWE back then, WWF. I got to go there. And here's the thing: there was something inside of me that's like. There wasn't a question. Like, I was going to get there. And I don't know why, but I had this like unwavering, I'm absolutely going there. And no matter how many people told me, because obviously I got bullied as a kid, I got laughed at, I got, you know, everything you could imagine when I said I wanted to become a professional wrestler, including for my family's. Uh, from my teachers, you name it. They all thought it was a joke. You know, they're like, oh, you're too small. You're going to get killed. I remember my dad saying, oh, it's a phase. Same thing with my sister. I remember my mom saying, oh, well, if that's what you want to do. And I was like, wow, this is the greatest. I got my mom's support. Uh, so I, I remember all of that. And I remember WWE was my goal because back then that was kind of it. Even, you know, growing up, WCW was there, but it wasn't – it didn't get to where it was until, obviously, you know, the Attitude Era and all that good stuff. So I just knew – and that's where I ended up. Um, I was working at the time. I had gotten a job right after graduating. I got a job at Penn State as a copyright clearance coordinator. And I just, oh, it just killed me because I knew that wasn't what I was meant to be doing. It was driving me nuts. And then I kept looking on Hot Jobs, which was the website that you went to for site. Remember, um, remember Hot Jobs? Yeah. And it was like Monster, I think, or something like that. Um, and uh, sure enough. I saw a job open up at WWE and I said, that's it. And I interviewed, um, what? I think I interviewed four or five different times, with like seven different people. My last one, I think was, was with Stephanie McMahon. And uh, yeah, I ended I up getting a- us. <laughs> yeah, you you you've been around the block. You've met her a couple of times. Uh, I love Steph. She's great. And uh, yeah, I I became the first ever writer's assistant working on the creative team at the age of 23 years old. It was crazy.
0: Now, I, you know, working at WWE, how was that position for you? Because there were many times when the writers would go back and forth to, you know, the the office, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody was sitting at. And yeah. we would hear yelling. We would hear, you know, things thrown. We would hear that we're going to start the show over again. Like I could mean, kind of tell what the mood was when you walked by the door. How, uh-huh. was your, how was your treatment, so to speak, when you were a writer there?
1: So I can tell you that one day felt like a week because it was just so long. It was just such a long day. And, I mean, we lived it every day. And just one week there felt like a month. It was crazy. Um, but it, it had its... Goods and bads, right? So it was amazing because here I am. We're creating Raw and SmackDown from scratch at that point. Raw and SmackDown were it was one team. And it was, you know, we would do obviously Raw on Mondays. Uh, SmackDown, uh, you know, we would record on Tuesday. It was airing on Thursday, I think, at that point. And then we had the pay-per-views. And then we had Sunday Night Heat, which was live from WWF New York each and every week. So I went to that. So... We'd go from Sunday night heat live from New York city. Then we'd fly Monday morning to raw. Then depending on where Smackdown was, we either go right there on Friday night, which actually, uh, excuse me, Monday night. We would, we would go Monday night to Smackdown the next day. We'd have to get up super early to then go into Vince's office to talk about the show and essentially put it together because everything that we had written the week before, like, after uh, Tuesday, we'd come back, we'd fly back home Wednesday. Then we'd start the process all over again on Wednesday to come up with the show on Monday. It'd be a completely different show, right? It'd be a completely different show. So we had some ideas. We had some main angles planned, you know, some, some storylines going on and then things would change. Vince didn't like it. He would change it. Uh, So it was a lot of moving parts. So you have to be super flexible and know that stuff's going to change and you're going to have to be just as nimble as possible especially from a creative standpoint, work on little sleep, work on, uh, you know, a lot of travel and yeah, a lot of stress because if Vince didn't like something you have, to, and you were excited about it, you have to go right back to the drawing board and make sure to create something that he was happy about. So it was a process. It was a lot of hard work. And I think you definitely aged, uh, you know how like, uh, dog years, you know, for every one year there, it's really seven. That's kind of (laughs) how I think it is at WWE, especially on the creative team. So it was a great experience, but there was definitely a lot of high stress that came along with it.
0: So what years did you work there? Because was it during Eddie's time? or I don't remember seeing you when I was there, so it must have been before.
1: No, I was there. I was actually there um, with Eddie, and I remember I was so excited to meet him and just tell him right away, Soy Latino, como estas mi hermano, you know? And it was so great and right away we hit it off because he's just so genuine, as you know, and it was just so amazing to be there with one of my favorites and a person who's done so much for for Latinos everywhere and, you know, really uh, representing us in such an amazing way, so it was just so cool, it was, it was so, such an honor, you know. For me to be able to be there with him and then have an opportunity to work with him for, you know, the period of time that I did, uh, as well as other people like Jericho was so cool. I couldn't wait to meet Jericho because we had the heart connection uh, thing going as well. So that was super cool. Uh, And then here we are full circle working with Jericho again, working people like Billy Gunn, which is so awesome because I remember uh, he was like, I was always so like, oh, he's mean. Like I always stay away from him at WWE because he just seemed like standoffish and mean and whatnot and then years later you know I'd become good friends with him and then we'd work together in TNA and then Lucha Libre USA and here we are it's such a crazy world Vicky I love it I'm just so blessed and grateful you know to have uh done so much in my time in life and I tell people you got to make the most of the time that we have here so uh yeah I just hope that people you know kind of look at my story and say you know what that kid that average kid just anybody can do it. If he can do it, I can do it. I hope that inspires people to realize, you know what? Life's short. Try to make as many things as humanly possible happen.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm inspired by you because I joked in my introduction of you that, you know, I want to see how many hours you work a day because I, I, we were talking the other day that, you know, we can't find enough hours to spread our projects to work. Yeah. But Alex, you're always on the move and, and, by that, I mean I'm going into your branding. You branded yourself as "On the Air Alex," which mm-hmm. kind of yeah. uh, cultivates all your different projects into one thing. So if they went to alexabrahamthas.com, you know they're going to find mm-hmm. all your projects there. But also on YouTube and just in your social media, you have made a a big branding, you know, company for yourself, which also which includes like you know the hosting of the you know the Elite Soup. And then you have, you know, your content creator, you know, account that you have there too. And then you have, you know, like the AW, you know, uh, you know, pre-show and do everything in your studio. So on the Alex comes from your mm-hmm. basement, your house, which is what uh, I'm trying to say. That is quite an accomplishment for you because I'm inspired. I, I've been asking you a lot of questions because how you have your setup and how you, you know, grew your brand. It's really exciting because you're a lot younger than me and I think gosh you know what I could have been doing years ago you know with doing this you know having this you know platform how has how did on the air Alex come about because it takes a lot of brainstorming a lot of motivation and inspiration to to do this because we we you and I know that if you don't do it no one's gonna do it for you.
1: right so, and, yeah. and you're right And you have to find the motivation within yourself and realize, okay, what do I want to do? And then do it. Like I've had a million ideas throughout the course of my lifetime, a million, but there's only so many that you can focus on and so many that you can get running just because we only have a certain amount of hours in the day. So for me, when I'm not working, I'm like, I'm a YouTube fanatic. I'm learning. I'm using YouTube to learn you know, different facets of social media, different facets of content creation, because I always want to continue to get better. I always want to continue to evolve um, in whatever I do. And I think it's important that no matter what everyone out there is doing, that you find ways to always keep moving forward. Because the last thing you want to want, at least for me, the last thing that I would want is to be complacent. Because if you're complacent, complacency kills right? And then you get just comfortable and then you're not moving forward. And the way that I look at it is if you're not looking forward, if you're not moving forward, then you're moving backwards because we have to constantly keep evolving. We constantly have to keep getting better and not just in a work perspective, but as humans, as, you know, as just people, right? And that goes everything from of course, work, but also health, right? We got to keep working out. We got to keep figuring out ways to, um, uh, to stay healthy. Uh, I was taught at a young age that without health, there really isn't anything. And I didn't think of anything like that. I'm like, wow, you know what? That's totally right. We got to take care of ourselves first because if we're not healthy, and that's not just physically, but that's mentally, then we can't help others. We can't do the things that we want to do. And I just do my best to look at each and every day, plan it out, and then plan out my short-term goals and then plan out my long-term goals and then figure out strategies to get there. And sometimes the strategy might just be, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And then I'm going to figure it out as I go along and things are going to change and happen. And you know what, that's okay. Because even if I fail, I'm still learning of how not to do something. And eventually I will get to that goal. So that's kind of how I look at things. And on the air, Alex came to be because I realized I needed to encompass something. Um, Before I was Alex HP for QVC. That was my That was my handle because I was on QVC. Uh, I I still am on QVC. And that was kind of my um, launching point. That's kind of where people knew me most, you know, at that point. And then I realized, well, wait a second. I'm doing so much more. Um, creating content. You know, I'm doing stuff with wrestling. That was before AEW. And then I realized, you know what? I'm on the air all the time. And I'm Alex. Why not on the air Alex? So that's kind of how that whole kind of on the air Alex um, branding, if you will, came to be. And now I just kind of use it. For everything across social media and across you know anything that i create because it's really who i am
0: you know and that's that's awesome because you know when people look at your um, youtube or your website or just anything on social media you have different um brands that you're promoting and it's all done in your basement so when someone sees you you're actually in the same room but you have a different part of your basement that's for the background of that project so Like for AEW, you have a background and then for your uh, uh, elite soup, you know, you have, you know, you have a certain background, which I thought was so creative of you. And um, and it's kind of convenient because our schedule is so crazy traveling for AEW that Mm -hmm. you kind of have to find that, that one place that, you know, if you're going to be home, you know, to switch out suitcases and to get ready for the next trip, you kind of, you mastermind the idea to be at home and still be productive yeah I'm impressed I really am.
1: Oh, thanks, Vicky. you know I, I realize that if you are going to be busy and I mean we're all busy in one way or another, right? whether you're a parent taking care of kids or you're working multiple jobs, you're going to school. The way that I look at it is if you overcomplicate something, then you're probably not going to do it. And I had a lot of that. I had all these ideas, but it was just so complicated. Like, oh, boy, and then you get overwhelmed. What happens when you get overwhelmed? Then you just freeze and you just don't do anything because you're like, oh, I don't know which way to go, which way to start. Is this right? Right? So for me, what I've done is uh, I do have multiple sets. I just built out a studio in my basement, as you mentioned, and I have multiple sets. And because I'm busy, the last thing I want to have to do is keep setting up lights, keep setting up cameras. So I have everything kind of automated now. So I hit a button, my lights come on, my cameras. I kind of have everything as simple as possible. So I say this for anybody out there who's thinking about doing anything try to figure out ways to simplify the processes so that that doesn't get in the way of doing what it is that you want. And that can be anything. You know, if there's something that you want to achieve, don't necessarily get overly complicated with all the details. Do small things to get to that particular goal. For me was, I remember when I was starting kind of creating videos For different brands and content. And and I was doing wrestling with tech, which was um, basically my YouTube channel where I simplified technology. And I stopped doing it for a long period of time because I remember, oh my gosh, I got to set up the lights. Oh, I got to get the right camera. Oh, angle. I've got to make sure the sound. Oh, I forgot to turn my sound on. Now I realized I have no excuses. I figured out a way to make it. So there are no excuses. I've got my setup a touch of a button or two, I have everything automated. It works. I'm ready to go so I can do what I enjoy doing, which is the, the process of creating the content as opposed to getting into the minutiae of setting everything up, which was becoming a chore for me. So long story short, make everything as simple as possible so that the things that you don't like doing about that particular thing aren't the things that are holding you back. Um, You know,
0: one thing that I, I thought was really cool of you was on now, it's not actually, you're almost like an entertainment tonight type of correspondent where you're kind of like just uh, going over everyone's blog and kind of giving them, you know, a, a promotion, you know, and, and mentioning them. That's that's pretty unique because you must keep, a lot of friends must keep you happy because you're promoting them in their different blogs. And it's, it's kind of a neat concept because you're just kind of recapping, you know, what happened in the week. And it's great because whatever I wanna go back and look at, it interests me. So um, did you, do you have all those brands working underneath you or did you just pick and choose who you wanted to talk about?
1: So uh, for a period of time, like there were so many different vlogs going on in AEW. And I thought to myself, my goodness, it's so hard to keep track of each and every one. And then for whatever reason, one day I was like, huh, it'd be cool if there was like the soup for AEW vlogs. And then I was like, I wonder if there was a way that I can create something. I just love promoting things that I genuinely get excited about. Hence why the hype man isn't just a moniker. It's really who I am. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) just the reality of it. Uh, So I was like, wow, what if I create this thing called Elite Soup? And then I recap everything that you might have missed. And then you can go back and watch it. And then it promotes everybody else's stuff. And I did that for a while. Unfortunately, I've had to stop just because life has just gotten so busy and it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work putting that together. And I loved what I did being able to kind of capture everyone's vlogs. And then the folks at AW are vlog stars, if you will. They also got busy. And now there aren't as many vlogs either. So it's like, and it's okay because in life you can do things for periods of time and then decide, okay, great. That kind of ran its course. That was a great thing to do. Now it's time to move on. And, you know, it's almost like little chapters in our life where that was a great little chapter, right? Now it's time to move on to other stuff. And that's kind of what I'm doing. So I've got a bunch of other things that I'm working on. And it's just um, sometimes you have to balance out what you're doing with your time and realize, okay, what needs more of my attention right now? So that's kind of – that was a a, a fun little uh, thing that I did for a while. And now I've got a bunch of other things going on.
0: So you're also a content creator, which mm-hmm. um, I, I encourage all my, my audience to go to YouTube and look at Alex's YouTube page because you promote different brands, which are they're huge companies. You know, like Norwegian Cruise Lines. Um, you have oh my gosh, you have so many. Um, you have uh, Mugsy Jeans, Coleman, mm. um, mm-hmm. and then you also you also talk about food on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, you also go to different <laughs> places and you visit them. This is, I mean, where do you find the time? Because when we get into town for AEW, it's usually on a Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon, we're at the arena. But by the time you come in in the morning, you've gone to five or six places when (laughs) I'm still getting ready for work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's interesting. I'm always thinking about content creation. So it's kind of always in the back of my mind because it's just genuinely something that I really enjoy. And I have always, always, found a way. If I like something, I will share it with everybody, especially those folks that I know can benefit from it. Like I think I I told you the other day, oh, I found this great studio light, and I'm just genuinely excited yeah. about it. And I just, I love to do that. So with the day and age of social media, I realized, well, why not just promote the stuff that I love? Because this is the way to do it. And it allows me to create content, allows me to have some fun. Um, and it's just something that I'm passionate about. So I will find brands that of, of companies and things that I really love, like Mugsy jeans, for example. I love them. They're my favorite jeans. I wear them all the time. And then I'll bring, talent, when we're on the road, they have a store in Austin, they have a a store in Chicago, and then we'll do social media. And it's just genuinely products that I love and services. And I love cruising on Norwegian Cruise Line and uh, things like that. So I love to bring the followers along for the ride so that they can get a sense for things that I love. And then hopefully they're like, oh, you know what? I never thought about, you know, using that product or service. Let me go and give it a shot and then see if it enhances their life like it does mine. So uh, you know, I I, I I think that's part of the reason why I love social media so much because it gives me a, a outlet to be able to share this stuff with folks.
0: You know, you're really good at it because, you know, you've you've uh, talked about your uh, making content for cruise lines and they've gifted you other trips to take so you could, you know, promote them. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty smart, you know, marketing aspect, you know, that you can like, you know, promote a cruise and then you get another one. I mean, that's those are expensive. I mean, because we talked about how much we love to cruise. I mean, mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, that's. I know it takes time, but you. Mm-hmm. I guess you do have to find your motivation when you're trying to have a little vacation to still think. Oh wait, I still have to stop my day and work. You know. to Yeah. To do a video.
1: Yep, you're you're right. It's uh, it's not all play. You've got to work. But the thing is that when you love to work and you're passionate about what you do, then it isn't necessarily. Yes, it's work, but it's it's a different kind of work. It's a uh, fulfillment. Like I, I am fulfilled from creating content and I enjoy that. And I know that certain people out there appreciate it and are also entertained by it. And that's why I do it because I realized, oh, okay. You know, when I go on like a vacation or I want to buy something, what do I do? I typically will research it online to see, okay, what are the reviews? You know, are people liking it? What are the pros? What are the cons, Right. And if I can help people in that capacity and gear them to making the right decision for them, ultimately, you know, that's my goal. And that's kind of what I do on QVC, too. I share people, hey, this computer is great for this. It might not be great for that. This printer does this. You know, it's fantastic at that. And that's what I do. I, I share, you know, and hopefully folks, you know, see it and say, okay, yeah, that's the perfect vacation. That's the perfect computer or printer or whatever the case may be for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to provide service as much as I can.
0: And so how do you find these food places? Cause you promoted voodoo donuts and you mm-hmm. also yeah. have promoted like ice cream companies. Is this yeah. something, I mean, do you do this in the mornings? I mean, I'm really, I'm really <laughs> curious because yeah. you know, sometimes after a late, you know, night of flying and you get in for work, um, how, Have they helped you at all? Like when you're, you know, branding the food?
1: I mean, how's that worked out for you? No, like if, for example, I knew we were going to Portland, right? And I had been to Voodoo Donuts before, and they're really, you know, they have such a cult following and they're well known. I'm like, well, I got to go back to Voodoo Donuts. So I remember uh, we had, oh, it was Seattle. We went from Seattle to Portland. And I remember getting into the hotel and looking at the time. And I'm like, okay, I have to eat dinner. And then I looked and I'm like, oh, Voodoo Donuts closes late this is perfect. So I'm like, I'm going to go. So I went, I did my little social media just for me. I had a great donut. I brought donuts back for somebody else. Uh, So it was like a win-win. And I try to do that when we go to certain markets, when I have the time and realize, okay, I can either be in my hotel room watching Netflix, or I can go and create something and also live a little, right? Like I want to experience... All these amazing places that we're so fortunate to go visit and create something from that. And you know what else? It brings me such fulfillment to not only creating the content, but going back, you know, and, uh, months from now, my camera al- album or going back to another video and saying, oh, yeah, I remember when we were in Portland X amount of time ago. And I went and had that great, great donut that, you know, uh, Matt Schiavone, Tony Schiavone's son recommended. And it was so good. And I might get that the next time I go. So I really, truly appreciate doing that type of stuff. And again, we're just so blessed to be able to travel every week that I would, for me, I I would feel like I'd be missing out if I didn't take advantage of those opportunities to to go and do those types of things.
0: And that's truly living in the moment, you know, because we can travel and get busy and it, it becomes a blur, you know, sometimes mm. we're like, we forget what city we were in or what what arenas and what city, but you're really enjoying you know just being in the moment and, and capturing you know whatever that highlight is in the city and that's that's something as a testament to other wrestlers that you know we need to just kind of slow down And i need to slow down and just say what's somewhere where is somewhere i can go just to create a moment for myself
1: yeah and and sometimes too we we come up with all these excuses like oh i'm tired or oh you know maybe no go out and live you know go out and experience something go out and make a memory that then you'll look back at but like you know i'm really glad i went and did that Uh, i think we need to do more of that in general just as people to really take advantage of life and make you know essentially live life to the fullest
0: okay alex we're gonna talk we talked about your on the air alex stuff we're gonna talk about you being in front of the camera in a wrestling ring now you You first started out as a Spanish commentator for AEW Mm -hmm. and you're great at it. I mean, you, Dasha, and Alvaro are just amazing in how y'all work together. But you just started this new adventure with the Lucha Fighter hype man. And for my audience, if you haven't seen AEW, you should be here because all I do is promote AEW. You, You have to watch Alex in action because you get me so pumped. <laughs> out. And I mean, how is that? How did that come about with you starting mm-hmm. to be
1: with the two brothers? Sure. So, very inter- interestingly enough, we're coming up to two years now, uh, which is mind blowing to think of, but I'll never forget it. So, I had done an interview, Tony wanted me to do an interview with Ray Phoenix and Lance Archer. And he essentially wanted me to translate a little bit for Ray. And I remember doing it. That was my first ever thing that I had to do. I was doing the pre-show, but it was the first ever thing I had to do that was going to be on Dynamite. And initially, I think it was just going to be for social. I didn't get much information, but I just knew he wanted me to do this. So I'm like, cool, no problem. So I did it. And then it ended up on Dynamite. And I was blown away because I had no idea that that was going to be on Dynamite. And it was. Then he told me, hey, you did a really great job. We're going to be doing something you know, uh, at the Spanish announce desk. And I said, okay, cool. No idea whatsoever what was going to happen. And then Cody hips me up and he's like, hey, here's what's going on. And I said, oh my gosh. I'm like, all right, great. So um, we're going to set up a match between Cody and Penta. And I'm like, wow, great match. And the thing was, so Penta was going to be doing Spanish commentary. Cody was in the ring. And then Penta was going to say a couple of things that would then ultimately blow up and then that would lead to the match the following week and i was like oh my gosh this is great so as uh i got about a week's notice maybe a a couple days notice so that wednesday i got together with penta and uh we kind of put everything together and realized okay because penta has never spoken english at that point on tv and he's not very comfortable speaking in english Especially on national TV. I mean, he's comfortable, you know, speaking in English, you know, backstage to people, and that's not an issue. But this was a whole other animal, right? This was live TV, dynamite, you know, and a major angle. And the whole angle was supposed to blow up to the point where they got into an altercation and then lead to the match the following week. So we get to the arena and I get the information and I talk to Penta and we're like, all right, you know, sh- let's practice a bunch we spent the entire day kind of practicing right and just rehearsing what he was going to say and how he's going to say it and all that good stuff. And um, I can tell I mean it just makes sense. There was nerves coming from him because this was a big deal. And again speaking in English it'd be one thing if it was just all in Spanish, but he was going to say stuff in Spanish I was going to translate and then. The meat and potatoes, the thing that was going to cause Cody to go over the edge, jump the barricade, and get into altercation with Penta was in English. So he needed to nail that. So, showtime. I'm doing Spanish commentary. Penta comes up to Spanish commentary. And then it happens. So I'll never forget. You know, Penta grabs the microphone. He's like, Alex. And I'm like, all right. Grab my microphone. And then uh he says, Um, dile que soy mil veces mejor que er. And then I just said, Penta says he's a thousand times better than you. And then he goes, uh, dile que si eres el, el principe de lucha libre, yo soy el lord de lucha libre. something along those lines. So like, and then I'm like, Penta says, and it just came out, like the whole penta says just came out of me because that's what he just said, right? I didn't realize what was happening. The second time I said it, though, it dawned on me. I'm like, okay, wait a second. If he says something again, I have to say Penta says again for you know consistency and continuity. So I did it, and then I'm like, okay. And then now the last line was the whole buildup was to this, where he had mentioned Cody – Rhodes's unborn baby girl and how he wasn't going to be able to hold her up because Penta was going to break his arm so bad. Yeah. So here we go. The moment. And I remember, Vicky, this was like in slow motion to me. It was like, do, 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 do. And I'm like, is it is what's going to happen? I'm like, this could be. I just intuitively knew that something big was going to happen. And then he goes to say it and he turns to me and says, You have to say the line. And I'm like, okay. And that's when I was like, Penta says, Cody, you're lucky Penta didn't break your arm so bad that you wouldn't be able to hold up your newborn baby girl. And then that was it. Cody jumped the barricade. They got into an altercation. And for me, I remember talking to Cody beforehand, and I was like, listen, you know, I'm just a commentator. Right? And you know, as commentators, we just have to kind of be neutral and impartial. But I'm like, I can't be neutral and impartial." And he's like, no, no, you can't. And I knew that I had to give it the emotion of what Penta was doing. So that happened. And I just remember being filled with these feelings of like, oh my God, what just happened? And I was like, that was insane. And then sure enough, wouldn't you know, I'm watching Rampage. And... Uh, we had recorded Rampage and on the graphic, and this was after after Cody, Cody and Penta had the, the match the following week. But then I was watching Rampage that Friday, which we had taped in Jacksonville because we were in COVID times. And there was a graphic on the screen and it was Trent with, I think, Orange Cassie in the background and then Penta with me in the background. And I was just like, What? What what? I I will never forget that moment because all of these emotions are like, oh my God, all this hard work, all these dreams of getting to a moment of something like this had finally happened. And I'm like, wow, I I couldn't believe I, I still get emotional about it because it's like at that moment, I was like, my dreams have come true and are really truly coming through. I've done all this other stuff, but You know, the one thing that I really always wanted to do in the wrestling business was to be able to manage on this stage and then to be paired with someone like Penta. Vicky, was just uh, indescribable. So, wow, what a a moment.
0: And, you know, we share the same, you know, um, manager roles, you know, to manage someone. And, of course, my fear or my expectation of myself is you don't want to disappoint the superstar that you're representing. You want to... You want to embellish them. You want to make them shine even more without being in the way. How, yeah. how was your how was your you know mental state? Because you had your are managing these two popular Latino wrestlers who were the crowd loved them. I mean, they yeah love hate them. And now here you are in the mix of them. You know, and how was that? I mean, it had to be stressful. I mean, I get stressful when things are happening. It had to been really you know. Just a realization that oh my gosh, I'm responsible for taking these guys to the next level. It's it's quite a lot of you know, um, you know, stress and expectations of yourself.
1: Well, there was so much to it. I, it. It's bizarre because I can tell you, going out there, to me, was like it felt so completely natural that I had to ask. I had to ask people. I'm like, why? Like I was excited right? But I wasn't necessarily nervous and it felt very comfortable. And I was like, I don't understand this. And then somebody told me, they're like, that's because this is what you're meant to be doing. And when you are doing what you're meant to be doing, it should feel natural. And I'm like, my God, that, that the gravity of that really hit me. So from that perspective, it was amazing. But there were other things that got me nervous, and I remember the first person that I went to go talk to about this was you because I'm like, who do I know, trust, who's done it all, who is and, – and that's what you should do. You should, when you're doing something that's new and you want to find success, you go and find somebody who's done that, who's currently successful, who's already done it. And you were the perfect person for me to go to. And you were so wonderful and open. And I am so appreciative, even to this day, of just how amazing you were with the feedback and advice of like, hey, this is how you need to do things. This is how you handle things. This is who you are. This is what you're doing now. And that was such a huge help that I can turn to you, Vicky, for that advice and support. um, That that really helped me because I needed to identify who I was Like, I knew who the Lucha Brothers were, but I didn't know who I was and how I fit into that. And I was trying different things. And I'm like, what do I do when I'm out? Like, am I doing this right? Like, there's no handbook for this. There's kind of a, (laughs) you know, there's kind of a way to be a pro wrestler. But being a manager is a completely different thing because we are so responsible for So many different things that folks don't realize out there from psychology, from helping the crowd go up to go down to getting them angry, getting them excited, to helping the wrestlers as well, to being involved in the matches. There's so much to that that at that point, I I hadn't experienced it to that level. And I knew someone like you could really kind of help me put those pieces of the puzzle together. And you completely did. And I'm so eternally grateful, you know, for – you know, all of that mentorship and support. And obviously the most important part is your friendship. Um, so thank you, you know, again, because that that really helped me get to where I am. And I, you know, I'm so thankful for you.
0: It's my pleasure. And to see where you are today, I just like, I'm, I'm happy for you. And I'm, I get excited, you know, when I see on the card, you know, that y'all gonna be on the show. Like, I'm like, I always gravitate towards the managers because that's what I do. You know, I mean, of course, I'm going to watch the match, but I'm always watching and you've just blossomed into your own being and you've made a name for yourself. And it's not only because you're managing Death Triangle or, you know, Lucha Brothers, but you there's Alex Abrahantes in, you know, and it's just like, this is really cool because you've made, you have continued your legacy in all kinds of aspects in the wrestling industry. And I think that's really phenomenal, you know, in my book. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much, and I'm so grateful, too, to be paired with, you know, uh, Pac, Penta, and Ray, because they're they're just such amazing human beings, and they are such phenomenal athletes, and I know a lot of folks at first were like, oh, this doesn't make sense, Lucha Brothers and this guy, and I think we found a way to complement each other so well. Um, that I'm just man I can't be prouder of those guys and be more grateful to be by their side and it gets me excited to this day when I see on the card that my name is next to theirs and that we're on the card and going through that tunnel or entranceway. every time just genuinely fills me with such excitement and passion because I remember as a kid wondering, am I ever going to make it? You know, I, I, I had those doubts like we all do in life and having those people, especially people close to you, doubt that you can do things and question and say things that, no, you can't, you're not good enough and have people laugh at you and ridicule you. And then I think about where I am now and how blessed and grateful I am. And then I think of all those other people and say, wow, you know, Maybe you should have had a more positive outlook. Maybe, you know, (laughs) you know, and so I think that's part of the reason why I am so passionate about sharing my story and hopefully inspiring other people and, and telling people as much as I can, listen, no matter what you have going on in your life, you can change that. You know, you have the ability and it's only you, only you can change it. You have the ability to make a different decision today that can, positively affect the rest of your life but only you people can tell you to make that decision but you have to be the person who says you know what that's what i'm doing and then you find a way to do it so i I really hope that uh folks can kind of take away from everything that i've done you know if they can just take one thing away just take that away you know you can do whatever you want but it's up to you to do that
0: that's amazing you're so What an incredible human being you are. And I just, thank you. I love your energy when we talk backstage and and to watch you, I feel your energy. You're doing a great job. Um, I want to ask some rapid fire questions to you so the fans can get to know who Alex is on the personal side that we don't see. Um, Okay. Here's the first one. What was the nickname your parents called you growing up?
1: Well, my, my full name is Alejandro. So it was Ale, which is really Alex in in uh, in English. So that's why I go by Alex. It makes life a little bit easier because uh, still to this day, even though I got to give props to Lady Gaga for making Alejandro uh, a, a, a first name that people can now pronounce. So, uh, so yeah, I didn't really have a, a nickname per se except that.
0: Was it Alejandro Abrahantes when you were in trouble? Is that what your mom did? Your <laughs> yeah.
1: Alejandro, yeah, yeah. I would hear the Alejandro come out, and I'd be like, oh, boy, what did I do?
0: Um, Who was your female celebrity crush?
1: Oh, female celebrity crush. Um, growing up. Or even today. Uh, oh, okay. So, growing up, I mean, I was I was absolutely obsessed with pro wrestling. So um i would say it was probably trish trish stratus i mean she's phenomenal and she is oh my gosh what an amazing human being and then it's so bizarre because then i got a chance to work with her so that's just uh i mean life is just so crazy yeah life is just so crazy and you just get starstruck and you're like wow i'm working with this person so yeah i would say i would say trish cool deal um
0: what's for dinner tonight
1: Oh, see, that's the question that I never have an answer to. I am so bad at that because I get so busy that that's the last thing I think of. And then I stress myself out about dinner. So (laughs) I am like crazy with like Panera because it's just so simple. So like I'd say the majority of the time I'm probably eating a Fuji apple chicken salad from Panera.
0: That's delicious there. I love that. It's so good.
1: It's so good. It really is. And then I never get bored of it, which is crazy. Like, how am I not getting bored of this salad? Like, I eat it so much. (laughs) Like, what's wrong with me? But I guess it's like, uh, um, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg wears this, and Steve Jobs, they wore the same thing every day, just a black, because they don't have to think about it. That's kind of how I am with, like, food. I just go to Panera, I just order it, and I'm done. It makes it easy. (laughs)
0: Um, Name an abnormal object in your luggage
1: in my luggage um let's see i i don't know if it's abnormal but i keep forgetting a hand lotion and i keep having to buy it and my hands just get really dry all the time because i'm always washing them like on the road and then i have these like horrendous like cracks on my hands because it's cold and whatnot and then it hurts and then i'm like i am on tv using my hands, showing computers. So I always have to make sure. So I always have like some different brand, different size bottle of like hand lotion. You know, it's crazy. I And then, and then it, I, I have them at home because I keep buying them on the road. And it's like, I'm just gonna have to op- open up like a hand lotion store.
0: You get to do like some content for the lotion, see which company- I, I should, I should. <laughs>
1: yeah, every time I empty out my suitcase, I'm like, oh, Loctane, okay, great. You know, like it's crazy. Crabtree and Evelyn, all right. What's your favorite smell other than food? Oh, come on. That's hard. Food. I love food. Other Uh, than food. Yeah. Other than food. Well, is vanilla considered a food? Yes. Okay. Vanilla is a food. All right. How about lavender? Oh. Does that count? I like lavender because uh, years ago, I was told that it helps calm you down, especially if you're anxious. So that is just to me a pleasant smell that kind of, you know, brings a good mood. So I'll go with lavender.
0: Oh, okay. I like gasoline. Like when I pump gas, like I love it.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Wow. That's a good one. Yeah. Gasoline probably make the top 10. I don't know why it's so bizarre that, oh, how about
0: this?
1: (laughs) 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 How about uh, laundry? Like the smell of laundry, like the, um, have you ever been past like outside when someone's doing laundry? You're like, that is just so good. Yeah. I like that one even better than Gasoline. (laughs)
0: Uh, Alex, let my fans know where they can find you if they want to book you for a speech appearance or for a Comic-Con. Or where let the fans know where they can find you.
1: Sure. It's very simple. It's right here on the screen. It's on the Air Alex across all social media. So Instagram, Twitter. uh, I do a little bit of TikTok, as the kids say. Uh, Of course, YouTube, you can find me there as well. So pretty much all uh, cross-platform. And then I'm even starting a Whatnot, which is an app, if you're familiar with it, where you can start selling collectibles and my wrestling gear and stuff. Because I have so many jackets and gloves and all this stuff that I've worn throughout the years. Uh, So I'll be putting them up on Whatnot. And then you can find me, guess what name, on the air, Alex. Make it easy.
0: Alex, I am so thankful for our friendship and all the advice and yes i did buy those light bulbs from the hue light bulbs from my studio great great. um i thank you for everything and finding the time in your busy schedule um i look forward to seeing what you're going to be doing this year because you're you're not going to stop and you're not stopping anytime soon and i'm so thankful i can be by your side and watch your progress
1: oh thank you vicky for not only all the awesome advice that you've given me throughout the years, but your but your friendship, I mean, you are so a thousand percent genuine and you are so universally loved because you're such an amazing human being. And I cannot be more honored and grateful to have you as a friend and be able to see you each and every week.
0: Thank you, Alex. God bless you. Um, and thank you again. And uh, just, I wish you well and love and success and happiness and all the good things that we, we deserve in life.
1: Thanks so much, Vicki
0: all right bye alex bye-bye there you have it everyone thank you alex for joining me this week and taking some time from your busy schedule to spend time with me and my audience and guys i just want to remind you to please spread the word about my show i ask you to please get your in-laws your outlaws your friends your enemies whoever you want please let them know how to download my podcast. I have exciting guests each and every week. Please continue to like, comment, play. And if you have any suggestions, please email me at excuse vicky at outlook.com. I read all your emails, I take your ideas and I steal them for my use. So guys, thank you so much again. And I encourage everyone to please be kind, love one another, and take 10 minutes out of your day each and every day to love yourself and find something that brings you happiness. And until next week, I'll see you on the other side.